0: Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. DNC's apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details. Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill.
1: Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill and welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. Now, here's a big announcement in case you haven't heard, and why would you? It's a 100 years since aspirin as a drug really caught hold and took off as a huge, big, successful drug. So strangely, this week's topic is the science of aspirin. Now you might think, how can you get a whole podcast out of aspirin? But it's a very important drug for all kinds of reasons. You've all taken it, obviously it's a painkiller and it's been used since... 1902 Extensively really As a cure for headaches Shall we say And aches and pains And all sorts You know And that's why it's important Because it was the first ever Drug actually made In a drug company The company Bayer In Germany Synthesised aspirin As I'll explain and it took off like a rocket, especially around about World War One time when lots of soldiers were given aspirin as part of their kit in case they ache some pains, because as I say, as we all know, it's a very important painkiller. But it began a really important sort of journey in pharmacology as we call the science of drugs. Loads of painkillers were made based on aspirin. Paracetamol, you would have heard of as well, I bet, and taken it. Ibuprofen, they're all based on aspirin. So a huge number of drugs came out of the discovery of aspirin, which is another reason to celebrate it. And many of us If we have a headache, we'll take these drugs and they're very beneficial. Of course, aspirin also lowers your temperature and can be used for fever. And things like, for example, Calpol based on paracetamol in children is very useful. If a baby has a fever, you can take Calpol and it really works. And again, none of that would have happened without the discovery of aspirin. But let's go right back to where it all began. And it was a chemist called Alex Hoffman working in Germany for the company Bayer, the drug company. And he cracked her way to chemically modify things in a process called acetylation. And there's a, a chemical term for you. And he was able to acetylate molecules of various kinds. He decides to acetylate salicylic acid. There's a mouthful. And he makes acetyl salicylic acid. Now, why was he doing that? Well, his father had rheumatism. And rheumatism at that time was a generic name for arthritis, aches and pains in joints and so on. Now, we now know there's several types of rheumatism. Rheumatoid arthritis is the commonest, for example. Osteoarthritis is another painful joint ailment. And Alex's father had rheumatism, probably osteoarthritis, and he wanted to make a medicine to help his father. So it's a very sort of a, you know, family-based discovery in some ways. And he he took salicylic acid because that was a well-known painkiller at the time. It was derived from willow, willow bark actually, back through antiquity they knew willow bark was a painkiller if you it, it crushed up some willow bark and in, in the 1870s a guy called MacLagan had purified from willow bark this thing that he named salicylic acid salix being the name for willow and so Hoffman knew about salicylic acid he knew it was a painkiller, the trouble is he also knew that salicylic acid has a side effect, it, it irritates the stomach and he wondered if I make a chemical derivative of salicylic acid maybe it'll retain the pain killing properties and won't irritate the stomach as much and that was his motivation so it begins with a herbal remedy in many ways for pain and, and many drugs actually begin as herbal treatments by the way and then get modified through chemistry or use it as a starting point point. and in this case he makes salicylic acid he shows it's a really good painkiller. he takes some himself his boss and buyer took some as well and notice that the headache went away, was the kind of idea here. And now acetylsalicylic acid is born. Now Bayer realised the names of a mouthful, so they'd come up with the name aspirin. A for acetylated and the uh, spiridin part for spiria, which is also another name for the family of plants that make up the willow tree. So aspirin comes from A speria, aspirin, and now the name is derived you know, from that, and aspirin then goes on sale and becomes this massive drug, as I explained. You know, because obviously it becomes the first painkiller you could take. And there was no addiction, which was great as well, by the way. Now, meanwhile, Hoffman also uh, was messing around with morphine, which again was a well-known painkiller. He makes acetylmorphine. That's shown to have marvellous painkilling effects. And guess what they named that? Heroin. Because you feel heroic if you took morphine. It turns out, of course, heroin had a very sort of unpleasant side effect of massive addiction. Now, for a while, buyers were selling heroin as a cough remedy because it was known that morphine derivatives could suppress cough. And coughing was a huge problem back in the 1900s because people kept, kept, kept coughs and colds, you know, couldn't stop coughing. Uh, and heroin was sold terrifyingly as a remedy for coughs. They stopped that after about 10 years. when They knew how addictive heroin was. And by the way, heroin can s- is still used to some extent today as a medicine for severe pain. Say in, ca- in terminal cancer, for example, derivatives of morphine are used there, so it's persisted as a treatment actually. But of course, heroin has all kinds of unwanted effects. Meanwhile, aspirin continues on from that moment on, powerful pain killing effects as well, decrease fever. You know, a very very useful drug. Now the trouble is, it still causes a bit of stomach irritation. If you take too much aspirin, it can also cause a thing called Ray's syndrome, which is a very rare side effect of aspirin but these are extremely rare and adults uh, uh, would sometimes succumb, not succumb but would, would be afflicted with Ray's syndrome and so therefore it's not really recommended as much as it was low dose aspirin can still be used of course uh, anyway but, but the thing is aspirin does have one or two side effects but still they're not serious enough to stop it being on sale for example uh, but apart from that it's still shown to have wonderful pain killing effects and especially for fever and then it's launched and off it goes now the big mystery was how does it work so if, it's, if they begin in the early 1900s taking it, it took until 1971 to figure out exactly how aspirin is a painkiller. And this is where I come in, because my research in my PhD was actually all about things called prostaglandins. And there's another mouthful for you. Prostaglandins are very interesting molecules. They're made in your body in various situations, usually during inflammation, which I work on in my lab. And prostaglandins cause fever. Now, there's a clue immediately. You can see where we're heading with this one. But prostaglandins have many properties. And in 1971, in the Royal College of Surgeons in London, right in my PhD, long before I was there, they discover that aspirin blocks prostaglandins. And that's why it relieves fever and also is used for headaches because prostaglandins also cause pain. And hence, aspirin will will stop prostaglandins. And therefore, we see their various effects in the body. And that was the mechanism of action of aspirin. It inhibits actually an enzyme in your body that makes prostaglandins. The enzyme was called cyclooxygenase, or COX for short, and my PhD actually was all about these COX enzymes because I went to the place where, where the mechanism of aspirin was discovered and I worked on COX during my PhD, you see. So the place I was in was very famous for this. A guy called John Vane gets the credit for this and he wins the Nobel Prize in 1982 for the discovery that aspirin stops prostaglandins. He wins it with two other scientists who had worked on prostaglandins anyway and discover them in various ways so it was a a Nobel Prize for prostaglandins but Vane gets it because he shows aspirin blocks prostaglandins now it's a very interesting story how that discovery was made so in the Royal College of Surgeons in London at the time there were two labs working on prostaglandins Uh, one was working on prostaglandins effects on smooth muscle because prostaglandins will cause muscle to contract another property of prostaglandins. That muscle contraction can exacerbate headaches, for example. So one lab is working on muscle contraction by prostaglandins. A second lab, led by a guy called Gus Bourne, who will become relevant in a minute, were working on platelet aggregation. Now platelets are in your blood, they clump and they form clots and they can cause all kinds of problems. And Thrombosis is what happens when when you get inappropriate clotting. And, And Bourne's lab were working on platelets, Vein's lab are working on on, on muscle. Both are driven by prostaglandins. And students in their lab show aspirin blocked both things. So in other words, aspirin can stop platelets clumping together because it stops prostaglandins there. And secondly, it can stop smooth muscle cell contracting. So again, two very different systems, both driven by prostaglandins. Aspirin works in both. So the conclusion became, oh. Aspirin must stop prostaglandins. It's great science in a way because you have two completely independent systems where the prostaglandins are involved and where aspirin can work. And again, great science, big nature paper at the time, back-to-back actually describing that. Vane writes a big commentary and it's a huge, big discovery. Because can you imagine all that time since the early 1900s when aspirin is first made and characterised nobody knew how it worked and then they find it stops prostaglandins a big step forward now very importantly around that time in the 50s and 60s people knew aspirin was a great painkiller they're making sort of follow on compounds from from aspirin once they realise aspirin works by stopping prostaglandins they begin to make molecules to stop prostaglandins out of all this research comes all these drugs that we know so well paracetamol is a bit like aspirin stops prostaglandins ibuprofen the stuff you buy in your pharmacy for a muscle injury say in sport again it stops prostaglandins they're more potent ibuprofen is a much stronger prostaglandin inhibitor than aspirin would be and it's a very useful drug to treat some of these sporting injuries because again the pain you're feeling in a sports injury is driven by prostaglandins, and ibuprofen stops the prostaglandins. A whole industry emerges, basically. They're called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs because they aren't steroid-based and they're all in the same class, and aspirin was the first one to be discovered. Now, as I say, the issue with aspirin and, and drugs like it was you do see some stomach upset because it turns out, as luck would have it, and very often this happens in the body, prostaglandins have a beneficial role in the stomach. They stop acid secretion. Now, of course, if you stop prostaglandins in the stomach, you get more acid and you get ulcers effectively. So again, the hunt was on in the 1990s then, in the late 80s, for drugs that would spare the stomach, you see, and allow prostaglandins to be made in the stomach, but stop them, say, in a joint in osteoarthritis. And lo and behold, two drugs were discovered, one called Vioxx, another called Celebrex that only stop the prostaglandins being made at the inflammatory sites. They don't affect prostaglandins in the stomach. And that's because there's a second COX enzyme. Get this. Remember I mentioned the cyclooxygenase? There's two types, COX-1 and COX-2. COX-1 is in the stomach. COX-2 is in the inflamed site. So Vioxx and Celebrex only block COX-2. They become known as COX-2 specific inhibitors. And they're shown to be really useful as painkillers. And you don't get ulcers with them because obviously COX-1 is not being blocked by them and that was a big breakthrough at the time and part of my PhD was to get some evidence about this COX-2 which is the inflammatory COX if you like COX-1 is the one in the stomach so companies make these specific COX-2 inhibitors they're launched, very powerful painkillers the trouble is, again as luck would have it there's a side effect it turns out COX-2 does have a normal role in the heart And a tiny number of people have heart problems on these drugs. And that was sufficient now for those drugs to be stopped or a black blocks label to go on them. Because obviously if you've got arthritis and you've got pains in your joints and you take a COX-2 and you don't want to get a heart problem, do you? So, and again, it's very rare, but still that's a side effect sadly of those drugs and that was disappointing because you know we all thought we've cracked it now we've got a way to stop the pain in arthritis without causing stomach ulcers but the trouble is this heart effect this heart um, sort of damage aspect was discovered for these COX-2 specific inhibitors so it's a bit of a shame. But people are still working on this system, they're still trying to get specific ways to stop the inflammatory prostaglandins because they could be extremely useful for all these diseases and wouldn't that be wonderful. So again it's an area that's still very very active. Meanwhile Things like paracetamol, albuprofen, and so on, at the right dose level, they're safe enough to take and they don't have these uh, as much uh, problems with the stomach as you might think. So they're still very useful drugs, basically. But all of this goes back all the way uh, to uh, Alex Hoffman working in Bayer all those years ago, who was the first person ever to make a synthetic drug. Aspirin is the first drug ever made by a drug company, by the way, as well. So that's a good part of the history, too. And it becomes a very useful drug to treat all these different situations. And remember, stops pain, stops fever, stops inflammation. Aspirin and the follow-on drugs are still very, very useful to us humans to treat all these various ailments that afflict us. So there you have it, the history of aspirin, and it's a very interesting drug, and we celebrate it because of the great benefit it's brought to humanity. So thanks very much for listening. That's this week's podcast, and remember, my podcasts are available for download every Thursday, and it's a news talk about
0: Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. TNCs apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details.